Glory to God. I'm going to try to preach this morning out of 2 Samuel chapter number 7. 2 Samuel chapter number 7. If you have your Bible and you'd like to turn there, you can follow along. 2 Samuel chapter number 7. I teach from King James. The reason I teach from King James is real simple. It's what I grew up memorizing. It's also uh, approximately one translation away from the original. It was a group of approximately 50 men who were authorized. It actually used to be called the Authorized Version. Uh, If you ever have read uh, the Companion Bible, it's a Bible that a man named Bullinger followed after the King James. He called it the Authorized Version. Uh, But a man named Bullinger uh, put his own notes and kind of helped with... uh, helped with some translation on some words. Uh, It would still be Old English to us today, uh, but the King James Bible is approximately one translation away from the original text. That's why I prefer it. Uh, Some translations are translated off of King James. Therefore, that puts them uh, two degrees effectively off of the original text. Uh, so I don't prefer King James because I prefer to get tongue-tied. I prefer it because it's, it's the closest thing that I personally understand uh, that I can go back to. Plus, again, in, in my life growing up, there was only one option, and that was King James. So that's what I, I, I learned to uh, memorize. It's what I learned to quote. So for me, and when it comes to the Scripture, I just kind of think in King James. Uh, if you have another translation, bless God. I say follow along with that, but uh, I read in King James. So 2 Samuel chapter number 7, beginning in verse number 1, the Scripture says, It came to pass when the king sat in his house, and the Lord had given him rest round about all his enemies. Uh, So the king here is King David. And this is not uh, too very long after he got the throne. And and the Scripture says that God uh, gave, he was literally sitting in his house, and, and uh, one translation indicates that he, he literally means like he's become settled, settled in his palace. You know, when you come to your house, when you move to a new house, you got a certain season, depending on how gung-ho you are, uh, you have a particular season where you're going to be living out of boxes. Now, if you're incredibly motivated in that area, it might be six minutes. I, I personally know a family that, that, that helps us from time to time when we move or do something like that. And bless God, I'm telling you, they unpack like in like two seconds, flat, period, burn the boxes, we're done, we don't live in boxes. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not from that vein, uh, but I really appreciate people who are from that vein. So uh, for me, uh, uh, I might live out of a box for a little while because it doesn't bother me too much. But either way, there is a settling that t- can take place whenever you reside in the place that God has established for you. And what, what you will find is very interesting. You will find the rest of God. God can give you a rest. Everybody say rest. There is a rest in God that is is very, very interesting. I'm reminded of a time when Jesus, the Bible says, uh, he's doing what he does. He's going uh, with his fishermen followers and they're crossing over a sea. And the Bible says that a great storm came up and tossed the boat side to side, so much so that the fishermen thought that they were going to drown and die in the storm. And now listen to me, that means the fishermen. That means the guys like old, like old Peter, uh, that, 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 that he was just so absolutely adamant about fishing that, that he would even talk about after Jesus resurrected. He was talking about, I'm going fishing, you know. He, he was a fisherman. He'd been on the water. He was probably, you know, uh, 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 just, just completely rooted in, in, in the water, didn't have a problem with him. He had his sea legs. But for whatever reason, these guys were terrified and thought they were going to die. So it was probably a pretty significant storm. 
And the Bible says they went around looking for Jesus, uh, who happened to still be with them, and they found Jesus, get this, asleep in the bottom of the boat. No, there's a rest that can come on you where it doesn't matter how big the storm is in your life. It doesn't matter how big the trial is in your life. You can rest your head on a pillow in the bottom of a boat that everybody else is thinking is going to sink and you can just go, oh, no, 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 I'm on this boat. It's not sinking. I'm sorry. You guys, if you guys want to bail out, that's fine. But God will give you a rest. He'll, he'll give you, he'll get, I remember another time, old Peter, one of my favorite in the Bible. Old Peter, he got arrested for being a Christian. Uh, and, and he was in prison, and, and the Bible says that there was a prayer meeting going on day and night. They were praying for old Peter to get out of prison, and the Bible says that an angel came in there to let Peter uh, get out of prison, to help him get out of there. And the Bible says that the angel had to hit Peter to wake him up because in the middle of a prison cell, when he's supposed to be uh, just all stressed out and otherwise, he's literally laying down and sleeping because it doesn't matter if you're in the, in the pit, doesn't matter if you're in prison, and it doesn't matter if you're... God can give you rest. Don't you believe the lie of the devil that you have to spend the next 30 years of your life stressed out? No, I just had my blood pressure done the other day. And when I had it done, listen to me, I had kids climbing all over me. I mean, all over me. My kids, they climb on you, boy. They're not, they're not kidding. My little girl, while the things the things reading my air pressure, and, and in walks little Trinity Bell, who's three years old, and she goes, I got an egg. And then she goes, splat. She goes, I dropped it. <laughs> while the thing's going off. <laughs> my blood pressure came back 99 over 59. They did it two more times just to prove it. I said, listen to me, I rest in God. I'm not moved by my circumstances. Come on, somebody. I'm not moved by what I see. We're not moved by what comes against us. No, there's a place in God. When He puts you in the place that you know God has ordained you and anointed you to be in, listen, let the rivers rage, let the storms blow. You'll find me asleep in the bottom of the boat unless Jesus said, get up. Because there's a rest that God can give you. Verse number 2. The king said unto Nathan the prophet, See now I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in curtains. That's what we've been. For three years, we have been picking up our tent stakes, and we have been moving on. David says, And it came to pass that night that the word of the Lord came to Nathan. And Nathan said to the king, Go and do all that's in your heart. Verse 3. For the Lord is with you. When God is with you, and listen to me, if you have called on the name of Jesus and you are born again, and you are washed in the blood of the Lamb, listen, God is with you. That means like old David, whenever he was a young boy and he walked up and that giant was screaming and a bunch of grown men, a bunch of uh, trained warrior machines were shaking in their boots and trying to figure out how they, how they were going to survive with this giant railing at them. If you know God is with you, it'll make you go and uh, go to a sword fight with a bunch of rocks and a little sling. If you know God is with you, it'll make you walk around uh, a city and just shout till the walls come down. If you know God is with you, listen to me, it'll make you step out of the boat when everybody else is petrified. When you know God is with you, it'll make you rise up on your inner man and decide you're going to do something great for God. 
When you know God is with you, it'll make it where when your baby is out doing all the things that they shouldn't be doing, you know they're not doing it. When you know God is with you, that means that you can hit your knees and you can pray because the prayer of the righteous availeth much. When you know God is with you, that means that everything in your life is subordinate to that. Nathan said, listen, God is with you. I could just, I could, I could see the room because David, he had experience knowing when God was with him. If he knew God was with him, we know he would take the fight to the enemy. But in those days, listen, you've got to segment this thing. After Jesus Christ, uh, any old person could just say yes to Jesus and they are blood-bought and God is omnipresent. He's with them everywhere they go. And literally, you can go boldly before the throne and make your request known unto God just like you're his son or his daughter. You can go in there and cry, Abba, Father, which is like saying, Daddy, if you're on this side of the cross and you said yes to Jesus, you can, you just, you know God is with you. But in those days, uh, they were not clean on the inside. They were not a clean vessel. Therefore, they didn't necessarily have the assurance that we have. So when David heard God is with you something fired up on the inside of him and he said well I tell you what if God's with me I'm not just going to build him a a temple I'm going to build him the best temple that ever was ever will be and ever has been to come we still talk about it now his son ended up doing it because God had him appointed to but we'll find out about that in a minute Uh, it came to pass that that night that the word of the Lord came to Nathan this is verse number 4 let me just say this and, and, and let me just take this for just a minute. God will speak to you at night. Oh, yeah. He'll give you a dream. He'll give you a vision. He'll tell you something. He'll give you a knowing. He'll, he'll, but let me tell you that one of the best ways to help hear from God is to remove the clutter. So we don't go to bed every night with the, the television and our favorite show and, and we just fall asleep, and then the first thing we do is turn the TV back on in the morning, and, and now we're back on the same show. Now make some room for the Lord, because God will speak to you in the midnight hour of your life. Do you know why God, listen to me, do you know why God will speak to you when you are asleep in the nighttime? Because you're quiet. Most of us don't hear from God as much as we'd like to because, listen, uh, we just won't be quiet. Ooh, it's quiet in here. We just won't be quiet. God's trying to tell you. He's, not, he's a good father. He's not trying to keep something from you. He's trying to tell you, but we just, we just, that's why the Bible says that we meditate on God's Word. Listen, meditate, listen, the whole idea of it was stolen uh, from Jehovah God, this idea of meditating in some nonsense. Meditate just means to roll it around in your mind, to get yourself quiet, to chew on the Word of God. One translation literally says to murmur. So it's like you just murmur the Word of God. The Lord is my strength. The Lord is my strength. The Lord is my strength. Lord is my strength. And you just begin to meditate on that. And all of a sudden, all those other thoughts of doubt and fear and unbelief, they just begin to pacify and they begin to get out of the way. They begin to look a lot smaller. And then you start going, I'm more than a conqueror in Christ. I'm more than a conqueror in Christ. I'm more than con- I walked into a restaurant the other day and, and this guy goes, Oh, I like you. I said, Well, I don't know if I like you. No, I didn't say that. I said, Oh, thank you. He goes, because I saw you talking to yourself. He said, and I do that too. 
I just said, oh, well, bless God. Nice to meet you. Have a nice day. But I was just walking through the parking lot. And every step I was going, he's going to give me everywhere that my foot plants. He's going to give me everywhere that my foot plants. So if I own the parking lot by Chipotle, y'all will find out that's what happened. <laughs> but I just, I just walking, God, you're so good. You're a strong tower. The righteous run to you and they're safe. My children will serve you all the days of their life. They're strong in you. I thank you, Lord God, that you have established the covenant. These are all, I'm just murmuring. I'm just, I'm just meditating on God. No, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be all the time, all the time by yourself. And, and no, you got enough time that you just meditate on the Word of God. And when you do, listen, He'll speak to you, and sometimes it's at night. And I have found personally, the more things that you cut out, the more you'll find God cutting in. And it doesn't mean we have to be old sticks in the mud. I promise you I'm not a stick in the mud. But the more things that you just go, okay, God, you know what? I like this, but it's taking up too much of my time. So I'm going to, I'm going to curtail that a little bit because I just want you to know that you're so important to me. You're so powerful to me. And I, I just want to hear from you. And you'll find in the midnight hour, God will speak to you. So the Bible said the word of the Lord came to you. He said, go tell David, thus says the Lord, uh, shalt thou build me a house to dwell in? He kind of asks, he goes, you want to build me a house? Can you hear God's heart when he says this? Go tell David, David, you, you, you really want to, you want to, you want to build, you want to build me a house? In all the places where I walked, with all the children of, the, of Israel, spake I, a word with any of the tribes of Israel whom I commanded to feed my people Israel, saying, why build you not me a house? Did I ever say to any of the Israelites, why didn't you build me a house? You should build me a house. Now therefore, so shalt thou say unto my servant David, he's talking to Nathan, thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you, I took you from the sheep coat, just a little shepherd boy, out in the field tending sheep from following the sheep and I made you to be a ruler over all of Israel. Now let's just stop for just a minute. Do you remember where he brought you from? Now one of the things we do is we lay aside every weight that holds us back so we don't make it a a stronghold in our life. But we should never forget where He has brought us from. We should never forget that without Him, we might just be a little shepherd boy on the side of an unknown mountain, tending a bunch of unknown sheep, doing a bunch of unknown stuff. But if you'll be diligent with God, no, in the right season, in the right time, listen to me, He will pluck you out of that situation and He will plant you in a place where you could have never planted yourself. He said, you want to build me a house, David? I've been living in a tent and you, and, and you want to build me my own house? You see, I've been camping a lot. And I, I have one major rule in camping. You never camp. I'm not sure if I should talk about camping now. You never camp if it's over 50 degrees. Because in Texas, we have something called mosquitoes 
And if it's like 80 degrees and you have three offspring in a tent with you, all that hot air, getting trapped by that nylon or vinyl or whatever a tent's made out of. Can I just say this? Maybe I can. You can't take enough clothes off to cool off, okay? You're sitting there, you become this balmy sweat thing. And those you got the thing zipped up, which is supposed to be mosquito-proof. And I don't know if they like drill a hole. I don't know if they get like a mosquito construction project on the outside. And they're like, all right, boys, we got one in there and he is sweaty. <laughs> and they drill through the side of that thing. And before you know it, you start feeling the, the tap. And you feel the tap. And you're like, oh, no, whack. And the kids, they're just sleeping like lambs. You know, they're all over you. You got one with a foot on your neck. You got another with a foot in your ear. Don't know how that happened. And you're just a sweaty mess because camping when it's hot is mis- It's not fun. It's terrible. It's terrible. Don't do it. It's a rule I have. But the best thing about camping, there's two phenomenal things about camping. There's the excitement about going and there's when you get home. <laughs> because you go for a day, hey, nobody stinks in a day, you know. But you go two or three days camping, especially if it's with a bunch of guys doing, you know, guy, we're going to catch every fish in the world. We're going to camp in the woods, whatever. All of a sudden, you start thinking, man, I wish I'd have brought a bar of soap. <laughs> camping is great when you're thinking about it. It might even be great the first day. But your favorite day is when you pack it up and you go, okay, and you turn that water on and a shower and you just get clean. You're like, oh, my gosh, I wish I would have brought a toothbrush. I guess you could bring a toothbrush camping. But camping has its limits. But there's something about home, sweet home. My mama, I, I never forget, I would, I would come home from college I'm a homebody. I like to be at home. I know I don't go out much. I like to be at home. And I would go home from school, and my mama would be there, and, you know, I'd, I'd have my, my laundry basket. My mother's such a blessing. I'd have my laundry basket, and she'd say, bring me a laundry basket. And I'd set it down, and just magically, all these clothes that were filthy would, would turn clean and fold themselves up and be ready to go. My mom was such a blessing. And I, I would get there, and, and almost every time, I would sleep on the couch downstairs. We had a two-story house. I would sleep on the couch downstairs because I wanted to be up when the first person woke up and I wanted to be awake when the last person was awake because I was only home for a day or two and I didn't want to miss any of that home stuff. See, there's something about home, sweet home. And David says, I just want to build God a house. God says, I never ask anybody to build me a house. But the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. And when you want to win somebody's heart, a lot of times you'll buy them stuff. My sweet wife, Crystal, I've spent my life, ever since I met her, buying her stuff. And she doesn't often say what she wants. But if I hear about it, I'm going to get it. If I find out that she turns her head at something and she likes it, listen to me. Gentlemen, you guys might not know this, but there's some guy, and I don't know where he is. I've never seen him. I've never, I've never met him. But this guy named Michael Kors. 
apparently makes shoes and clothes and purses. And, 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 and then I, I, I've had several of these guys. There's another guy named Coach. <laughs> and they make just beautiful stuff that, that a lady can carry around or can put on their, their arm or their, or, their, or their neck. So I just find out what Chris wants because, listen, let me tell you what I want. I want her heart. Even when I couldn't afford stuff, I was writing her love letters. Even when I couldn't afford, I was sending her mail. Even when I couldn't afford to take her to the nice places, bless God, I'd go get that $5 hot and ready Little Caesars. <laughs> Come on, baby, let's go sit at the beach and eat something. Because I wanted her heart. And when you pursue somebody's heart, you try to give them what they want. So David says, I got this beautiful house, I got this beautiful palace, but the God who delivered me, the God who I serve, He doesn't have a house. I, love, I just want to give Him a house. And God said, you want to build me a house? He said, well, I'll tell you what. He said, if you want to build me a house, I just want to talk to you for a minute. He said, do you remember where I brought you from? He said, and I was with you, verse 9, everywhere you went. And I've cut off all your enemies out of your sight. And I've made you a great name of the great men of the earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place. Everybody say a place. I will appoint a place for my people and I will plant them that they may dwell in a place of their own. Oh, hear this. That they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more. Neither shall the children of wickedness. One translation there says like the arrows of wickedness, kind of like the fiery darts of the devil. Neither shall the arrows of wickedness or the children of wickedness afflict you anymore as before. No, we'll still have some fights. But there's a whole nother level when God gives you an appointed place. An appointed place. The Bible says that oftentimes that the Israelites would meet in an area called Gilgal. In Gilgal, they were known to hear from God there. They were known to get a word from God in that region. Everybody has an appointed place. And if you can find your place, listen to me, you can see God do things that you could never imagine otherwise. And as since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel... And I'm about to close. And cause thee to rest from all your enemies. Also the Lord tells you that he will make you a house. He shall build a house for my name. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. What you do for God's kingdom God will do for your family. Some of you really stretched over this summer and, and you stepped out in faith and you gave more than you've given and you prayed more than you've ever prayed and you believed God more than you've ever prayed. And I'm telling you, you listen to this preacher right now, I prophesy in the name of Jesus, if you don't have a house, God is going to make sure you have a house. If you don't have family coming back, God is going to make sure your family comes back. Because the Bible says what you will do for the kingdom of God, God will do for you. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day. He called me. He goes, I just got to tell you this. I said, tell me, brother. 
He said, at the beginning of this year, you prophesied that it was the year of prosperity for me and my wife. I said, well, bless God. He said, we had $200 in our savings account. I said, well, got to start somewhere. He said, I just checked yesterday. In the same account, we got $30,000 in. Come on, give God a hand of praise. I'm telling you, if you will do it for His kingdom, He will show up in your kingdom. If you will do it for His house, He will show up in your house. God is not a man that He should lie. And the more you press into the things of God, the more you will experience the power of God. He said, I build a house for my name. He said, I'm going to establish His throne, the throne of His kingdom forever and I will be his father maybe you didn't have a good father maybe you had a great father but I want you to know the God of the universe wants to be your Abba father he wants to be the one that you can cry out to in your most hurting moment and say oh daddy but he also wants to be the one that in your favorite moment you run to him and say daddy look what happened I was fishing in Colorado it's a beautiful high mountain lake beautiful clear water Trout called cutthroat. Trout called cutthroat because it got this red color. They're beautiful fish. And I, had, I saw the fish a year before. A year before I was in the same place and I didn't have a fishing pole. I was like, I, like I, I'm a fisherman from way back. So I was like trying to like, you know, you know, tie some horse hair together or something and make some fishing line and, and, and just figure out how to get those fish because it was eating me up. It was nothing. It was just a beautiful lake and fish everywhere everywhere so I plotted for 12 months we went back to the same place the next year and I got this little fishing pole that would fit in the, in the thingy medillar on my four wheeler the thingy medillar is a technical term might be over your head sorry but I got my little fishing pole and I researched these cutthroat trout and what do you want to eat little fish and man when I got there I knew everything there was to know about these trout and I get there, and there's like 15 people with us, and I'm like flying. I got my foiler pegged out, wah, trying to get to this lake before anybody else does. Wah. I just turned it off and let it roll up against the tree for it to stop. I took my fishing pole. I ran over. I went, zzzz. First cast, boom. Oh, yeah, baby little fishing pole this long. I catch this fish. And I don't know, I, I was, you know, probably 28, 29, I don't know, it was a few years ago, whatever, several years ago. I'm saying I was grown. But I caught this fish, and just somehow, all over me, I just wanted to show my dad. My dad was with me, he's my best friend. Second only to my wife. And I grabbed that old fish, and I ran, because dad was on the four-wheeler, and he's real slow. I was waiting on him. So I run out, I said, Dad, look at this fish. And Dad looked like I was six years old. And he goes, that's my boy. Give me that fish. And we're holding that fish. Like, look at that little like, fish, man. Take our picture. And we're smiling and laughing. Because God's not just a daddy that you can scream at when something's wrong. No, he's a daddy that you can celebrate with when something good happens in your life. He's a good father. He said, I'll be his father and he'll be my son. If he commits iniquity, I'll chasten him with the rod of men. Meaning, if God loves you, he'll correct you. Thank God for that. And with the stripes of the children of men. 
Verse 15. Oh, God, help me. But mercy shall not depart away from him. Like I took it from old Saul, who I put away before thee. And here we go, last verse. And your house and your kingdom shall be established forever. And your throne will be established forever. Can I just say it like this? Your children and your children's children will be blessed all the days of their life because of the decisions that you make. Some of you have been wrestling your whole life with a temper or with a proneness to an addiction or something because your father or your mother never stopped that thing and it became a generational battlefield for you. Well, let me encourage you. If you will war against that thing, you can break it off of your life and you can break it off of your family. But there's another thing that can come on you. It's called a generational blessing where literally the blessing of God begins to overtake you but you can't handle it. So He's got to pour on your children then he's got to pour it on your children oh somebody shout on the gut there's a place that comes over you and your children just go I don't know we're just blessed all the other kids in school they say well mom and daddy this mom and daddy that they can't even relate to it so what do you mean bad thing? My mama loves my daddy. My daddy loves my mama. When they walk in the door, they, they're just nice. And, and it, well, what about that? Well, we, we get everything we want. Well, that sounds terrible. Well, what do you not want your children to have? Raise your hand if you want your child to live in a ditch. No good father would want that. But the Scripture says this. Where sin abounds... Grace, everybody say grace. grace. Grace does much more about. So if we have to fight off this generational stuff, which I encourage you to do so, don't you just be, well, his daddy was like that, his grandpa was like that, and that's just the way he is. Break that thing off of your life. You don't have a temper. You get over that temper. Well, he just, you know, Always, the whole family, they just drown their sorrows in a bottle. You break that stuff off of your life in the name of Jesus Christ and your children won't be fighting that devil. They'll have their own devils to fight and you'll be there to encourage them. You'll be there to help them. But you break that stuff off of your life because your children and your grandchildren, every generation after you, will benefit when you just decide, I'm going to make happen for God's kingdom what I want done for my family. Stand to your feet, please. I'm done teaching.